ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Welcome into the Nosebleeds Podcast. I am Danny Scott, joined by Ryan, Brian Rabex, excuse me, and Maddie Bamonte. Sorry, guys, it's a little early here on the West Coast. Uh, we're currently recording at 4.15 in the morning. Um, but how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. As you said, it's very early in the morning for all of us, but especially for you. I don't I don't know how you're doing it right now. It's this guy's on a grind, but listen, it's all it's all early in the morning, but I think we're all gonna have a good time. It's nosebleed podcast. How could we not have a good time? So I'm excited. Yeah, it's it's nosebleeds. We always have fun. I'm on vacation, so I'm having extra fun. <laughs> so although I'm up early today. I'm very excited to talk about, you know, the Mets and the Yankees and the All-Star game today. Yeah, well, let's hop right into it. Let's talk a little Mets. You know, the Mets haven't been making a whole bunch of headlines in in recent times. So, Maddie, I know you're a Mets fan. Um, You know, right now with no Scherzer and no DeGrom, it's probably been a little tough from them. But have you been seeing anything that's been exciting you or – what, what's been going on in the world of the Mets? Since I moved out back to California for the summer, I haven't really paid a ton of attention to the Mets, but I know they're still in first place. The Braves are kind of knocking on their heels right now, but what's going on in their world? You know, I think actually I, I want to look at the Houston series that has just been going on, not really as a failure for them, because like you said, we have three guys out in our rotation. And so the rest of the three starting pitchers are really trying to pick up the slack against a red hot Astros team. And so to me, I can't really complain too much about what I'm seeing other than the fact I like how at the plate we've been really hitting on a 0-2 count and really battling in these at-bats. And I've noticed that with consistent players like McNeil. I noticed it with Davis before. I've noticed it with Escobar. The hard hit rate has kind of decreased. I know J.D. Davis is kind of our hard hit guy. And um, because we're having a lack of hard hits, you know, a lot of these players aren't really getting great contact on the ball. We're getting out constantly now, especially against the Astros. But I don't view this really as a big deal. Once you have all of those people back in your rotation, I think they can compete better. But as of right now, you know, I still enjoy what I'm seeing in the field. Escobar made a great catch last night. You know, Marte's made great catches. He's been consistent in the outfield. So there's still a lot to love about this team, even with them facing an opponent like the Astros recently. Oh, yeah. I don't think there's... Any anyone really believing the Mets have just completely fallen off and are a disaster right now. I think last night they lost their third straight game for the first time this year. I think I saw that, which is kind of nuts because we're at the end of June. So that's pretty impressive. But I mean, one thing that is definitely true, they need to get they need to get Scherzer back. They need to get Scherzer back. I mean, you saw Carrasco last night against the Astros. He was not good and it was great for a while, but the absences of DeGrom and Scherzer were only, they were only going to stay afloat for so long, especially with all the other injuries that are happening now with McGill. It's just, it's just not sustainable with running out uh, Bassett as your ace and then Carrasco, who's just had a terrible June. And then 
uh, Peterson, like those guys, Tywan Walker. It's just not going to – Trevor Williams is now in the rotation. So it's it's a problem. The Mets, the Mets have had depth for a while, and it's kind of been a miracle how they've stayed afloat against good teams without their two best players. But I think now we're getting to a point where the leash is kind of worn thin a little bit, and they kind of need to see their guys back. Because especially against a team like the Astros – you're not really you're not going to be successful without your top two guys and it's not the, it's not the team they bargained for so Scherzer's on track to come back pretty soon i think he was supposed to come back sunday what what happened with that did he just get he well he was supposed to pitch i think yesterday and it got bumped to today i think it was just either like a scheduling thing or maybe he just wanted an extra day of rest I mean, I appreciate because with Max, we know that he is just crazy enough to go out there, even if he is injured to go and pitch because he's already made his thoughts apparent that he doesn't want to be a rumble pony. And I was like, I get it, Max. You're not going to be it for long. And then he finally decided to take this second start. So I feel like it might have just been a health thing and why he got pushed. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you with the with the Astros, at least losing three games against the Astros, it's going to alarm a lot of people, and then you look at their game today as of recording this, and they got to face Justin Verlander. So that's the one thing. The injuries, they got to get their guys back and withstand it. But also, it's going to be in the back of their minds that if they lose four games to the Astros, that's the best team they faced all year, and they fell up short. So definitely something to kind of keep in the back of your head as they progress in the season and get towards the postseason, we're going to face a lot better teams. Well, I would say the, the one good news is, is it's just a regular season. So long as you get to the postseason, once you get Scherzer back, once you get DeGrom back, you know, those two can be wicked in the postseason. I mean, we saw Mac saw Max Scherzer almost win a world series single-handedly when he was um, with the nationals, he was absolutely dominant during that run. So you get him back in time for the postseason. And if he's going to be back in just the next couple of weeks, I believe like you guys were talking about, he's making a second uh, rehab start tonight. So we'll keep an eye on that. And DeGrom right now is progressing. I saw he's throwing some live ABs, throwing a little 20 pitch sessions in there. So as soon as you get him back, I think you're going to be in very good shape. But let's talk about the offense a little bit. Um, one guy that has been absolutely – on a tear recently is Pete Alonzo finally up to 22 home runs. And then you get Jeff McNeil batting 328. Outside of that, no one's really like killing it. I mean, you have Mark Canna right around 270, Brandon Nimmo 280, Marte 284. Those are good numbers. However, they don't really have another power bat. If you're looking towards this deadline, Maddie, what do you think this offense potentially needs to to boost it a little bit more. I don't even know if we need to go out and find people because I've seen flashes in the pan in guys like Marte and Lindor enough to keep me satisfied really than having to go out and spend a bunch of money right now where I would rather get another pitcher personally at this point just because of how injury prone these guys are. So, you know, Mark Canna has been a guy that has stood out to me a lot this season. I actually really enjoyed him. And I think that he has been a very consistent hitter, regardless of his numbers at the plate. I think he has been very good in that 0-2 count. I think he has been a long battler with those. And I'm really excited to see like 
him progress with the Mets. I think it's just a period of time he's having right now that's just not ideal. In terms of letdowns, though, I think Brandon Nimmo has let me down the most probably on this team as a leadoff hitter. He has not really shown anything for the team. He has been constantly striking out. He has every couple moments he does a good hit. He had a couple games ago, you know, driving a couple runs. But other than that, he has really kind of fallen short of my expectations. I think it just needs to be another you know, once we get to the all-star break, take a little reset, you know, I think the new hitting coach has been pretty exceptional with them this year. I've already noticed a change at the plate because we talk about how Pete Alonzo and McNeil really are doing their part this year when last year they did not. So I think it's just one thing that will progress with time. And, and I wouldn't even say my first goal is to go and get somebody. It's to really kind of work with what we have and spend that money on pitching. Well, I will say that uh, if Pete Alonso and Lindor slow down and they go through a rough, a rough spell, which is certainly possible, we know this game, who, who's going to pick up the slack? That's the only real issue. And, yeah, you look at Lindor, look at Alonso, and then outside of McNeil, who gets on base a ton, who, who's really, like, terrifying you in this Mets lineup? So I think at the trade deadline, it, it is worth looking at a good bat and adding that to your life because you can never really have enough. And now we're in June and you look at the bad teams and look at, okay, who's going to sell? The Cubs are pretty bad. Wilson Contreras could be available. The Mets don't really have a lot of good options at catcher. So maybe that's something. So, and you can look, look anywhere else as well. The Royals have a couple guys and Andrew Benatendi's not really a power guy, but would be an offensive upgrade. So I think that it's worth looking into. And, hey, I mean, if you're looking for a power guy, I think Joey Gallo could be available pretty soon <laughs> if, if you're looking for him. So I think I think Pete Alonzo, as, as good as Alonzo and Lindor have been, there's definitely room for the Mets offense to improve, which I think is something they should definitely look at at the trade deadline. And to give you a specific name, I think Wilson Contreras would be terrific for the Mets because it would upgrade them at catcher and – he gives you that offensive production that you need. So I think there's definitely room for them to improve. And I think they will eventually. Yeah. I, I really like that idea. I really like that idea, Brian. That wasn't even a player that I had in mind, but it makes a lot of sense upgrading a catcher. I, my roommate last semester was a Mets fan and boy, did he hate James McCann and whoever <laughs> his backup is. Um, Maddie, you could probably talk a little bit more than I could on it. However, Contreras has been absolutely killing it this year, and we'll talk about him a little more once we get to the All-Star game. But, Maddie, go ahead. I, I think the thing with Contreras, and the reason I'm not, like, gunning for a catcher is I don't like James McCann. I don't think he's been that good. I haven't mind the rotation of Nito and Mazika. The thing to keep in mind is I wouldn't spend the money on him, mainly because of the All-Star prospect that we have right now in the minors with Francisco Alvarez, who has been absolutely incredible for the Mets minor league system, constantly on a hot streak with the home runs, driving in runs. Like He's been so consistent to where I'd be like, let's try and bring him up first before we even go for a guy like Wilson Contreras. Because to me, Contreras could scare me in terms of he could go cold as well. And I feel like with this youth of this catcher, we might see a lot of progress in a young Mets team. Uh, be forewarned about young catchers. I saw it play out firsthand with Joey Bart this year. Um, as Joey Bart was supposed to be the next fan. big thing. 
Joey Bart was supposed to be the next all-star best catcher in baseball just because we had a guy named Buster Posey who happened to be a good young catcher. Um, but Bart was not great. Young catchers in today's game, it's tough to be good. But let's move on. Brian, this is going to be tough for you. Let's talk about the Yankees and let's talk about the no-hitter. Um, the Yankees over the weekend go 16 straight innings without recording a hit against the Astros. Brian, we'll start with you. Uh, what happened, man? Well, first of all, I just love that as we were talking before the show the other day, Maddie was just fired up to grill me about the no-hitter. So that's awesome. But I think your response is going to surprise you in the fact that like it's it doesn't really mean anything to me. Like, obviously, getting no hit is embarrassing and tough, but they split the series with the Astros anyway. So it's not really a big deal. Yeah, it was looking really dicey on Sunday when it was a seventh inning and they still didn't have a hit after getting no hit the day before. It was 16 straight innings, so there was definitely a little bit of concern. But, you know, they turned a no hitter in the seventh inning and down by 3 nothing into a 6-3 walk-off win which is what they've been doing all year. They are never out of a game. Anytime you think that, okay, this is probably the one they're going to lose, they just don't lose. So really, the no-hitter just, it's its in the past already. I'm not even worried about it because the Yankees, they just already rebounded with three straight wins, and ultimately, I'm not concerned about it at all. So, yeah, it was tough to sit through, but in the grand scheme of things, what does it really mean? Not much, in my opinion. I mean, the no-hitter definitely is just something I like to poke fun at. I think looking at the series as a whole, it was just a really good pitcher's matchup the entire week. Like, when you have a guy like Verlander, who is your ace, and he comes out and he's able to deliver such solid innings for the team, like, it's almost hard for them not to win. It's almost like an like an anti-Met kind of thing, where you could have a Jacob deGrom start, and we absolutely blow it. But for the Astros, they really capitalize on stuff like that. And so I think just looking at this, it was just a tough series, like as a whole, like it's almost equivalent to like a Mets Dodgers series that we had that we split. And I think it's just one of those games where bats had to get hot and it took a couple of days to do it, but they eventually got the job done. So there's not, you know, in the series much to complain about. It's just almost like a precursor of what we could see potentially later down the line with the postseason. And what are the Yankees going to do and learn from this? Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, this was this was definitely a heavyweight fight matchup. It's the two hottest teams in the AL. I mean, everyone is talking about the Yankees right now. What are they? Fifty five and twenty. Fifty five and twenty. Yeah, they're they're the best team in baseball. So I mean, if you're facing a team like the Astros and Yankees fans hate Astros, uh, hate the Astros. Um, so that must have been a crazy atmosphere being there. But if you're able to split that series, I mean, this is just, in my opinion, this will be a precursor to what we're potentially going to be seeing down the line in the AL championship. Potentially, this is almost like the World Series type of vibe. I know the Mets are good. I know the Dodgers are good. But realistically, so far to this point in the season, it's kind of looking like whoever's going to be coming out of the AL is going to be have a very good chance to win the World Series. Probably better... I, I would assume would be favored going into the World Series over the other teams. But, Brian, so, kind of same question to you that I asked Maddie. You know, at, at this point in the season, 
you don't guys, you guys don't have a single guy batting over 300. I mean, you got Aaron judge who obviously has been the MVP this year, but if you're looking up and down this lineup, uh, obviously we saw an issue with Joey Gallo. You kind of already brought that up, but what's a position that you're kind of looking towards that, you know, maybe we need an upgrade there. Yeah. The left field position is really kind of, kind of the one because that's, as of right now, that's the only significant hole in their lineup. Everyone else is passable at the very least. You have Judge, you have Stanton. Rizzo's been really good. DJ LeMay, he'll get the job done. Glaber's been really good. But then you look at Joey Gallo, who's hitting 168 at the bottom of your lineup, and you might you might have to do something there. I brought up Andrew Benatendi earlier, and that's someone who could fit really well. He's, you know, hits for contact. He's got a high batting average. So if that's what you're looking for, then go for it. And the Yankees have seen him before was with all his years with the Red Sox. So, and just adding another lefty in that lineup can't hurt. And then you mix him in there. You put judges, your center fielder, and then possibly Stanton. Right. But I don't know if they're necessarily going to make a move. Maybe they, maybe they just won't even do it as, you know, judges shown he's, Judge has shown he's a center fielder, and I think he's the best center field option on the team. And I think they're just really comfortable just putting Aaron Hicks in left and then probably Stanton in right, and then whoever, probably Donaldson can DH. So they easily could bring in an Andrew Benintendi. That's a name that most Yankee fans are kind of having their eye on, but that's not necessarily an absolute necessity because ultimately Joey Gallo can just – not get big at bats in big situations because he doesn't have to. So that's kind of an easy solution. And worst comes to worst, they always have Miguel Andujar in AAA who's hitting 300 and maybe he could replace one of the guys that's hitting 160. I don't know. Just, just a thought. My question to you is, do you think, is there a reason why Joey Gallo has lasted for so long? Because if, if I was management, like, he would have been gone a long time ago in my book because he just really has not shown any growth at all this season. And even at the end of last season, he was not really what I paid money for. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no doubting he's been awful with the Yankees. I think with last year, you kind of just have to take last year and be like, okay, last two months of the season, he was coming over and he hit 160 at the end of last year, but maybe he'll bounce back this year. And then, this year just hasn't, they've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for it to happen. And it, it just, it just has never happened. He's and watching, watching him work through at bats at, at this point, I've given him a lot of patience for a while, but it's June and he goes up there all the time. He just swings as hard as he possibly can and just hunts for fastballs. And when he doesn't get a fastball, he's just totally out in front of everything and swinging and missing. So it's really just not good. And, even everyone knows he's not a high contact guy, not a high batting average guy, but when you're hitting 160 and you're only hitting nine home runs and you're on base, isn't even that great year. Everyone talks about how his OPS is up at the best and his OPS is in the 600s, the low 600s at that. So I think the Joey Gallo experiment is definitely, it's definitely got to come to an end at some point. I don't know if it's going to be the trade deadline. I don't know if they're going to rock with him for the whole year. Cause he does play elite defense you can give them that but they've just tested it out for a while and i think sooner or later they just gotta pull the plug and realize it just has not worked in pinstripes 
Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with you. The, the other kind of area that I would potentially look on this team is just adding more starting pitching depth. I mean, Garrett Cole has been good, not great this season. Finally got that ERA back down under three. Nestor Cortez honestly looks like the Cy Young of the American League this year. He's been stellar. But outside of that, I mean, Montgomery's been okay. Tyone has been okay. And Seve has been okay. Maybe there's a guy out there, and I can't even think off the top of my head. Maybe you can help me out with that, Brian um, or Maddie. Maybe there's a guy out there that you can look for that kind of three, four potential starter once you get to the postseason, kind of like what the Mets did bringing in Bassett this year. You don't know, maybe another guy actually just thought of one like Frankie Montas coming in from the A's. Saw him last has, night, yeah. He has been, he's been decent enough this year where, you know, maybe you take a guy in like that and he becomes a good pitcher, especially for depth in a long postseason run that the Yankees are hoping to make. Okay, here, here's what I will say about the starting pitching, though. I think I think Tyone, Seve, and Montgomery have been better than okay this year. They've all, they've all been really good. The concern that I have now, though, is there's been a lull in the last week or so where uh, Tyone gave up six against the Astros last Thursday, and then Montgomery gave up five to the A's on Monday. So, and Nestor hasn't really been dominating anymore. His line on Saturday when he pitched or maybe it was Friday, just not, not that good and not necessarily the Nestor that you saw at the start of the season. So I think, yeah, Nestor's ERA, Nestor's coming back down to earth a little bit. And I think that's kind of what's happening right now. So I think all in all, the pitching rotation will be fine. They're just going through a little lull because the historic start they got off to where everyone had an ERA below two or below three just wasn't going to be sustainable, especially when you're playing really good offenses. Although Jordan Montgomery getting shelled by maybe one of the worst Oakland A's teams I've ever seen could that that's probably got to change. But I think the rotation can survive as is. And that's a whole the whole thing with the Yankees. They can do just fine because if you talk about all the issues that they've had or Errors are improved. They still are, are 55 and 20 and have the best record in the lead in the league by a lot. So whether they bring in a Frankie Montes or somebody like him, I don't know. But I think the rotation is going to be fine in the long run because your top four guys really, I don't really anybody you can plug in there. They can get the job done. They've proved they could get the job done. So I'm not too worried about this rotation, but I would like to see it kind of pick up a little bit and kind of get past the slow that they've been going through in the last week. Yeah, I kind of think the same thing. I'm I'm not really too worried about the Yankees pitching. I think they've been pretty consistent and healthy. So I think that's been the most thing when you, you know, as a Mets fan, look at it. I would much rather prefer a healthy pitching rotation and drop maybe one or two games. They have a couple of bad games just to pro- like to pro- get the longevity of the season continuing. You know, you could get Montas, and I think that'd be fine. But right now, I, I think I'm kind of satisfied with what I'm seeing in the Yankees' rotation. There's not too much to complain about other than the here and there drop starts. So, yeah, I mean, they could go for it. But, yeah, I don't know if it's come completely necessary yet. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with you. Um, however, as a San Francisco Giants fan, um, 
In the early 2010s, I saw my team win three World Series off of strictly pitching. So as good as the Yankees' offense have been and as many runs as they can score, without that pitching depth, it becomes a big issue. And the bullpen has been great. Clay Holmes has been incredible. However, you look to get six, seven, potentially eight innings out of your starter every single game. And once you get into that playoff type of atmosphere and the bats start to get hot, that gets much harder and harder. The lights get a lot brighter, and especially when you're in New York, Right now, this team doesn't really have these, you know, deep, long postseason guys that really understand, um, at least in my opinion. I mean, they got Garrett Cole. Aaron Hicks has been around for a while. But outside of those two, it's still a pretty young team. So I I get what you're saying where um, you don't – you want your own guys. You want the guys that have been there. However, it's never – Like Brian said, you can never have too many bats, in my opinion. You can never have too many arms. Um, But with that being said, uh, unless you guys got anything else, let's switch a little and shift over to the All-Star Game talk. And Brian, I know you were pretty adamant about it, talking about the Blue Jays. So I'll turn it over to you. But what's going on with the Blue Jays fans and why are they destroying the All-Star Game? They're just destroying. Yeah, that's how that's perfectly how you put it. They're destroying the All-Star ballot. It's getting crazy because they have a whole country behind them they don't have the every all the 29 other teams don't have the luxury of having a whole country supporting you that whole country of canada is just voting all their blue jays in the game i think four four blue jays as of right now are starting alejandro kirk at catcher which is fair i think that's with his numbers that's good vlad uh well vlad was leading over ty france for a while which i think shouldn't have happened as much of a name value as Vlad is. Ty France was having a much better year, but now Vlad's probably going to get that spot now that Ty France is hurt. And then George Springer's had a great year, which I don't take too much issue with. The one that I think was really egregious is Bo Bichette was leading at shortstop. That was unbelievable. That just hurt my head looking at that because Bo Bichette hasn't had that good of a year, and then you're going to put him at short over Bogarts and Tim Anderson. It's just Oh, I, I I mean, I'm not a Blue Jays fan by any stretch because I'm a Yankee fan and I see them in the AL East and they were the most hyped up team in recent memory. And now they're not even that good. The Yankees are kind of what they should be right now, but that's kind of besides the point. I just think that we, we got to collectively as baseball fans, we have to stop the Blue Jays fans. We just have to all come, <laughs> we have to all come together and just. Just get this done. At the very least, do not let Bo Bichette start start at shortstop. He doesn't deserve it. Give it to Bogarts, who's smoking the ball and hitting like 330, or Tim Anderson, who's – I don't know. Is Tim Anderson still hitting like 350? He might be. That's the last time I checked. Yeah, but he's been hurt for like two months. So Has he? And he, and he also doesn't play great defense. So if you put in Bogarts, that's fine. But just don't let it be Bo Bichette. Just collectively come together and just – Maybe don't let all the Blue Jays take the starter spots. That's just what I'm going to say. Listen, you know, I had no major issue, honestly, going into this with the Blue Jays fans. Like, they do what they want. I care about the National League, honestly, more. But And and I'm okay with the Vlad at first, mainly just because Vlad said he wouldn't compete in the home run derby. So this would be my only opportunity to see him in some form of the All-Star weekend to do that. So he would be doing that. Is he, like, the person with the best numbers? No. But for the most part, I would say the Bobachet one 
was very confusing. I have no idea why he got voted so high. And I guess that is attributed to just the massive fan base they have. But but all around, I'm pretty, you know, okay with what I'm seeing in all-star voting so far. You know, the outfield especially, I think, has been pretty consistent with the judge, Mike Trout, getting two locks in for that. Um, over in the NL, it's kind of always been a toss-up for me. I, when I did my all-star voting, I wanted to kind of be spread out with it. I didn't vote every single Met in. I will say that. I did not do that. I'm not that, you know, die hard of it when it comes to the all-star game. But, you know, it's kind of been hard for me picking, you know, people this this time because so many people are injured and you kind of just have to roll with, okay, if he's injured, who is my next best pick at the all-star game? And honestly, there's not that many people I would have voted for at that point, but. Yeah. So long as you voted for uh, Jock Peterson. I did. Or, vote for Jock yeah. Peterson. yeah, yeah he's he's got to be that third outfielder in the national. Oh League. yeah. He's, he's been, what a signing by the giants, but we can, we'll talk more about him later, but yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree with Maddie here. As an NL guy, um, I don't really pay that much attention to the AL. I, I kind of rarely do. I mean, I go and vote for the best players. However, I do agree with you, Brian, that Bo Bichette, kind of Vladdy, uh, there's a little argument that Springer shouldn't be, you know, maybe a starter. Maybe he's an all-star, maybe not a starter. But, um, you know, this is something that kind of drives uh, sports fans up a wall when I remember when the Warriors were on that historic run and Zaza Pachulia was getting voted in as an all-star starter. Was Zaza Pachulia? What a name. Yeah. I mean, he was terrible, dude. (laughs) Terrible. However, um, you know, this is something that MLB maybe needs to take a look at. And, you know, maybe there's a threshold for all-star starters. Like, you got to be batting above a certain – number or something like that but I don't, I don't know what they got to do to figure it out but this isn't working if we're going to have Bo Bichette starting in the all-star game um talking about more of the NL guys you know Jock Peterson has been absolutely sick for the Giants we already kind of touched on Wilson Contreras and I I agree with you Maddie I'm someone that you know I'm gonna vote for the person that deserves it I voted for Trey Turner even though he's a Dodger even though I love Brandon Crawford. Um, but outside of, you know, the Boba Chet uh, and any of the other Blue Jays, do you guys have any other qualms with what's going on in this all-star game before we wrap it up? Well, before I kind of give my take on it, you're, you guys are kind of different for me because I well, I will be very honest. I've listed out a whole ballot and voted for all Yankees. I will definitely. <laughs> oh, that literally me. goes against what you just said about the Blue Jays. Okay, well, I did it once. The Blue Jays are definitely excessively doing it. So, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna beat them at their game. If they're gonna play dirty, we gotta play dirty, you know. But (laughs) National League, I don't have any issues. You voted for Gallo? No, 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 no. I, I, I I couldn't bring it to vote for him. I essentially it was the the guys that I think that kind of deserved it. So, or at least had a shot. So, but going on to the National League, there's not really any issues I have at all with any of the leaders. Everyone that really should be leading uh, should be leading. The, there's complications now. Bryce Harper was the leader at DH, and now he's, um, he's hurt for a long time. So I don't really know who's going to 
fill that place, especially when I'm looking down the list here of the next nine uh, designated hitters, and the next name is William Contreras, and Albert Pujols is in third. So I don't know who's going to get that start, but then you look at Trey Turner leading shortstops. Dansby Swanson could make a run at him. Dansby Swanson's had a really, really strong uh, last couple of months, so that could be good. Machado's leading at third, no issue. Jazz at second. That's fine. Goldschmidt's the MVP leading at first. Sorry, Pete Alonzo, but Goldschmidt will be the leader there. And then Wilson Contreras leading at catcher. So the National League actually looks perfect, in my opinion. But, yeah, the really shortstop race between uh, Trey Turner and Dansby is something I'm going to be looking forward to as the All-Star game and the All-Star voting kind of closes in the next coming weeks. Yeah, you bring up you bring up Bryce Harper, and I think – Real quick before I let Maddie talk, I think that becomes Pete Alonso at that DH. Um, he's been a guy that has DH'd a lot for the Mets, so um, I think he, it potentially becomes Alonso. I would agree. I, I, that's good. That's yeah, definitely a great way to do it. I think like the designated hitter, like you said, is the only position now. I just don't know what to do because I voted for Bryce Harper, shockingly. I, at this point, like you can give it to Wilson Contreras. I, I don't know if I'd give it to like McCutcheon or somebody else like that. McCutcheon. He's doing pretty decent. I don't mind him. Is to be he? honest with you, the designated position for me doesn't really matter. Like I don't care about that position as much because I'm not going to vote for JD Davis and that would be my guy. So it's like, I, I have no real, I have no real affiliation to this category. I don't care as much with it. I, I will say I'm very glad to see Dodgers fans didn't dominate this voting because that would be my Blue Jays situation. If the Dodgers absolutely like, and I get it, the Dodgers are good, but I don't want to see a Dodgers all-star game. It, imagine it was just Dodgers Toronto Blue Jays all-star game. I think I would probably lose my mind. So I'm glad to see that. I can't wait to see who they're going to pick for pitchers. Hopefully some of our guys are back in and can make, you know, at least, you know, in the lineup or something, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But are you guys excited for the all-star game? Cause I know there's I'm, people that don't care. Obviously about I'm excited game. for the all-star game. Yeah, I love uh, the all-star game every year. How, uh, how could I not be excited for it? It's, it's always fun. Midsummer classic home run derby is also terrific as well. I don't know if it's participating in that, but all-star games in LA. Yeah. I gotta be excited. The MLB, the MLB all-star game is, is the best of the major three. I definitely agree. I would That's agree. Definitely the right the right take. The NBA All Star Game is a total disaster, and then the Pro Bowl just or NBA is just like it just doesn't hold the same weight. And then we we all know the issues with the Pro Bowl. So yeah, baseball is definitely the best one by a long shot, yeah, for sure. And I I don't even think it comes close. I love the All Star Game. I love I love the fan interaction, the home run derby, everything that comes along with it. But with that, I think it is about time to wrap it up. I am Danny Scott. Thank you to Brian Rabax and Maddie Bamonte for joining me. Uh, this was the Nosebleeds podcast, a production of WFUV Sports.
you know I think 